1: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
2: Farm Talk with John O'Connor with Dairy Gold Heifer Rearer Cube. A trusted partner to help your replacement heifers reach their target weights and meet their full potential. Welcome to this week's Farm Talk. I'm Barry O'Mahony. On the programme, we continue our weekly look at the world of agriculture and food. There have been calls this week for the introduction of a financial aid programme for farmers affected by TB controls. A number of very interesting webinars took place. We look at findings from Tagusk's report on the sustainability of Irish farms and the Irish Farmers' Journal, Sustainability and Agri-Food, the next decade. We hear how Bord Bia is looking to cork for future food and drink industry leaders. The Firm Ground programme is up and running to support farmer health and well-being. And Farm Talk's John O'Connor looks at other stories making the Agri News this week.
3: Farm Talk on C103.
2: The Irish Farmers Association is calling on government to introduce a financial aid programme for members affected by TB controls. It's due to meet with the Department of Agriculture in the coming week, where it'll campaign for the removal of TB hard risk letters. The group also wants an effective way of controlling tuberculosis among animals in the wild so the disease doesn't get into farms. IFA's Animal Health Chair, Pat
4: Farrell, explains. The draft document has been sent out for consultation on the future direction of the TB4 programme and that was circulated to TB4 members on the 13th of October. Uh, We have a bilateral set up with the meeting next week and the key areas that we need to have addressed are uh, the withdrawal of the TB hard risk letters and the categorisation approach that was included in those an implementation of an effective wildlife control program. Um, The department have recognized that they they don't know where all the sets, the badger sets are in the country, and they have asked farmers uh, input into that, and a detailed and thorough on-farm investigation where TB breakdowns occur to identify the source of the infection. And then the last one is the provision of fair financial supports to farmers whose farms are under TB controls. And that's the piece that's missing from the draft document because there's nothing on the financial end of it at all. Farmers are only only looking for an income support, for their loss of income, because they are restricted when they have TB. And it's through no fault usually of the farmer because it's in the wildlife and the department have, de- have identified that only 7.5% of the TB is attributable to cattle movements. So the vast majority of it is coming from somewhere else outside of the farmer's control. And while the farmer has been restricted, it's only fair that he has uh, an income for something that's way beyond his control. So that's all we're looking for, is for a realistic income support that, uh, so that the farmer can maintain his livelihood while he's going through the restriction.
2: The IFA Animal Health Chair, Pat Farrell. ICSA Animal Health and Welfare Chair, Hugh Farrell, said the association will not agree to any proposal from the department until all the outstanding issues around compensation and wildlife measures, including deer, are dealt with in a satisfactory way. ICSA agrees with the enhanced support for herds that have had a long and difficult TB experience, but not in line with the provisions such as imposing a 30-day pre-movement test. ICSA would not engage unless the TB strategy was built on the principle that there would be full financial supports in place to ensure that no individual herd owner was carrying unfair costs. Tagus has released its latest report benchmarking the sustainability of a range of farm systems in Ireland. The report uses the Tagus National Farm Survey to track the performance of dairy, cattle, sheep and tillage farms in improving their economic, environmental and social sustainability. Tagus Director, Professor Jerry Boyle, spoke about the key findings online in his introduction to the webinar this week.
5: There's a huge amount of really interesting information in, in the report, but what really jumped out at me um, is the extent to which farmers are adopting um, technologies that will combat emissions. And this, of course, is central. the research we've been doing now for several years that have culminated in the production of what we call the marginal abatement cost curves for both greenhouse gases and ammonia otherwise known as the MAC curves and of course the challenge for us is to implement those technologies on commercial farms and uh, I think the the report provides a number of indicators as to the extent to which farmers are implementing solutions that have been identified in research. And I think while there is a distance to travel, as will be evident, um, nonetheless, it's encouraging, for example, to see in dairy that 40% of dairy farmers are implementing what we call low-emission slurry spreading or the less technology. And while it's small, uh, it still um, surprised me that that about 11% of dairy farmers are now using protected urea. Um, a little over 40% of dairy farmers are, are liming on a regular basis and about 26% of farmers are receding. Now all of these indicators can of course be be improved and that's the challenge of the next period and Chagos will be bringing forward in collaboration with uh, the co-ops and the meat companies and of course our sister agencies, especially Bordea, a programme called the Signpost Farms Programme, which will be dedicated to implementing these technologies on the ground. I just want to acknowledge, uh, first of all, the authors of the report, um, Cahill Buckley and Trevor Donlin, and, of course, all our colleagues that contributed uh, to the production of this report as well. Um, This report couldn't be possible without the dedication of our our recorders up and down the country. And of course, for farmers and recorders, this has been a difficult year um, in assembling and finalizing the data because of COVID, of course. Um, But I do want to acknowledge their effort. And in particular, I want to acknowledge the support of farmers who have contributed to this survey year in, year out. Without them, we wouldn't be able to assemble this vitally important information.
2: TAGISC
6: director, Professor Jerry Boyle. Advance payments of 138 million euro under the glass scheme have commenced in recent days. The Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Charlie McConlogue, announced that the 2020 advance payments under glass, the Green Low Carbon Agri Environment Scheme, were underway, and 138 million euro would be arriving in almost 40,000 glass farmers' bank accounts in coming days. He said when combined payments under the twenty twenty Areas of Natural Constraint Scheme ANC, which started in September and the advanced BPS payments which commenced on the earliest possible date of sixteenth of october twenty twenty, together with this now announced Gloss Advance Payments would mean that payments of over one point one two billion Euro had now issued to Irish farmers since September. Minister McConlogue said that farmers right across the country, in what had been, he admitted, a particularly challenging year, would benefit from all these payments. These advance payments, at a rate of 85% of the full annual glass payments, are an important support to farmers in the delivery of key environmental actions. They are also of importance to the wider rural economy in Ireland. John O'Connor
3: for Farm Talk. Farm Talk on C103.
2: There was a general welcome for the 10 euros tillage pilot scheme announced in the budget to encourage farmers to chop straw from cereal crops and plough it back into the ground as an environmental measure to sequester or absorb carbon. The department believes this will have a positive impact on soil biology and workability. But removing a substantial quantity of straw from the market for chopping up and ploughing into the soil could lead to less straw being available for livestock winter fodder and an increase in cost of remaining supplies. Importing cheaper straw from the UK might be tempting for livestock farmers. So what's wrong with that? Joining me to answer some of these questions is Farm Talk's John O'Connor. Well, Barry, tillage farmers
6: are contemplating importing what they see as cheaper straw from the UK, following the recent ten euros pilot scheme budget measures here, encouraging farmers to incorporate chopped straw into soils as a carbon-related measure, should be aware of the potential threat to their entire tillage enterprise from imports of straw.
2: So, John, what exactly is this potential serious threat to our cereal crop?
6: The €10 million Euro pilot scheme announced in our budget, together with forecasts of fodder deficits in parts of the country, may push up the price of straw due to tightening of supplies. But there's also a biosecurity question and a potential threat to our entire tillage cereal crop. Over in England, farmers in the north of the country there saw blackgrass expand from the east of the country into their fields beside motorways from eastern England into northern England. It appears that blackgrass
2: seeds blew from truckloads of straw. And what steps can be taken to ensure this blackgrass does not get into Ireland with straw imports?
6: Well, Barry, the situation may change in the future, but right now the feedback is that we do not have very tight biosecurity at our ports, and staff there are not fully equipped to examine cargoes or lorry loads of straw for black grass as they disembark in Ireland.
2: In reviewing the winter fodder situation, I understand Tagus research have surveyed 700 farm dry stock and dairy farms across the country. Is there a similar general trend with the winter fodder supplies?
6: First, Chagas recommend having access to a rolling winter fodder surplus of 25% minimum to be on the safe side. And a margin of 30% surplus would be even better to cushion against weather shocks. In their fodder survey of 700 farms in various parts of the country, Chagask found that the position varied from farm to farm, with management, interestingly, being a more important factor than weather or land type. Some farms, it was found, were facing winter feed deficits of between 10% and a massive 20% unless they rectified their situation.
2: But coming back to the €10 million scheme to encourage tillage farmers plough-chopped cereal straw into their land, the risk of inviting black grass onto cereal farms through imports if there's a straw shortage must be avoided.
6: Yes, try and source straw from a black grass-free farm, ideally in this country where we are still relatively free from this weed pest and acquaint yourself as a tillage farmer with the appearance and characteristics of blackgrass and blackgrass seeds, which can be propagated in millions per
2: acre. Thanks, John. Irish Farmers Journal hosted a live webinar this week on sustainability and agri-food the next decade. One of the keynote speakers was Tom Arnold, chair of the 2030 Agri-Food Strategy Committee, which is tasked with identifying the path to ensure a sustainable Irish agri-food sector for the next decade and beyond.
7: Well, the the role we were tasked with was to come up with proposals to achieve the sustainability that you mentioned, Mary, in its three forms, uh, economic, uh, environmental and social. So what, what economic means is looking at the viable viable income for people right along the food chain. Environmentally, it's about seeing how the sector's performance environmentally can be improved. And there's two essential uh, pathways to that. One is reducing emissions, and the second one is increasing the capacity to, to sequester carbon, uh, helped, I think, by the new framework at EU level. And then the third area of social sustainability, I think that's about putting policies in place uh, to to stimulate more vibrant rural economies so that there's more income and employment opportunities for people living in rural areas. So that's the task we've been given. We've actually been tasked to come up with the policies that could achieve these three dimensions of sustainability. And we're a distance on the way. We've been working since the beginning of the year. Uh, we have two meetings in, in, in November, which we'd hope to bring the, the report to hopefully a, 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 virtue, a conclusion. But there's one obvious very large question mark, and it is Brexit and the outcome of Brexit. So depending on the outcome of that, obviously, we'll have an impact on uh, uh, what we would be able to say in our our report. But when we end up with a a report, it will be a draft report. And that's what we'd be in the first instance putting on the table. And alongside it will be an environmental assessment of the recommendations that were contained in the report. And then that will go to public consultations. Those two documents, to a public consultation for six to eight weeks, and it's at the end of that, that the two reports—the strategy for 2030 and the environmental assessment—will be formally formally finalised.
0: Okay, so you're looking at the end of November to put it to put it out to public consultation, with the view to six to eight weeks. So perhaps the end of January, obviously notwithstanding the you know the impact or, or the decision com, that comes about because of Brexit, at the end of January is the likely timeline for
1: that.
7: That is the likely timeline, but there has to it has to be said that there are. Very significant differences between, uh, you know, wh- whether you'd have a hard Brexit or a, hopefully a soft Brexit, yeah. and there's different views on the committee as to, you know, wh- how that should influence the uh, the final report.
0: Okay, and and I suppose that ha- has the committee been working on the two scenarios? So depending on the likely direction, that will will, will depend. That that will determine the final report.
7: We haven't actually gone into the detail of, of scenarios because we had too much other work to do. Uh, we thought that we should let that situation work itself out. I mean, we will hopefully know within the next couple of weeks what the outcome will be. And then that would be then the basis for making a decision about uh, you know what we say in the strategy.
2: Tom Arnold, Chair of the 2030 Agri-Food Strategy Committee, speaking there with Mary Delaney of the Irish Farmers Journal at the live webinar this week on sustainability and agri-food the next decade.
6: Dr Liam Downey, former Director of Chagask, has a proposal entitled Towards an All-Ireland COVID Testing Programme, which he believes could form a very cost-effective exit strategy for the COVID-19 pandemic. Dr Liam Downey says, this is a primary requirement in the elimination of this disease from the general population and getting ahead of the pandemic. He points out, local or indeed even national lockdowns, episodically undertaken, are merely cropping the disease. He points out that the key aspects of this All Ireland testing proposal would include every individual in the population to be tested annually for a number of years, Planned annual testing programmes systematically undertaken each year Complementary testing programmes in the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland Each of the jurisdictions would plan and implement their own testing strategy A summary of the main expected benefits Reduced likelihood of ongoing major episodes of COVID-19 As systematic testing would dampen down disease levels control and, ultimately, elimination of a virulent, persistent human disease. Much less costly, especially in terms of its impact on the general economy in the longer term than the current national or regional lockdowns. People with a negative COVID-19 test could travel freely to international destinations. Counties and urban areas with COVID-19 levels below agreed tolerance thresholds could open up for domestic and foreign tourism. Northern Ireland may remain part of the EU Customs Union post-Brexit, so the European Union might part-fund the COVID testing programme, as it did with bovine TB eradication programmes for years. Dr Downey points out that in excess of some five to six million costly TB tests are carried out every year on the cattle population. Just a fraction of this is being undertaken on the human population in respect of COVID. He points out the system generally used in reporting on the incidence of the disease is not very informative. The number of people who are identified as having COVID is determined not only by the incidence of the disease, but is also influenced by the level and intensity of the testing being undertaken. The number of people identified as having the disease should be reported as a number per 1,000 of population tested. This would provide a more definitive identification of local areas where more severe control measures may be required. It would also provide a method for tracking the trajectory of the disease over time. Dr Downey points out there is no fundamental shortage of laboratory facilities that could be adopted to undertake the COVID test. He points out the technology involved is now employed in many laboratories, including those of the Agri-Food and Biosciences Institute, the Department of Agriculture and Food, Institutes of Technology, Chagask, Universities and Commercial Laboratories. Dr Downey, during his tenure as director of the Bovine TB Eradication Programme, initiated wide-ranging research on the epidemiology of animal diseases. He points out the Republic of Ireland's Bovine TB Eradication Scheme started in 1954. At that point, approximately 80% of cattle herds and 17% of the 4.5 million cattle, 22% of cows in the country, were infected with bovine TB. By 2017, only 4.89% of cattle herds were infected with TB. In 2017, the eradication programme only cost €84 million. Euro. The Department of Agriculture in Northern Ireland in 2017 did over 3 million skin tests on over 1.7 million cattle in herd tests. Further information on Dr Downey's proposals may be obtained at the following website, https. Hyphen forward slash forward slash www.irishtimes.com dot dot com forward slash business dot com food hyphen for thought hyphen dot double one zero double three two eight John O'Connor for Farm Talk
3: Farm Talk on C one o three.
1: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
2: We continue this week's Farm Talk with our weekly Tragisk advisory. James Fleming is with us this week and we continue on the topic of nitrates derogation. And anyone applying in 2020 must undertake additional training before the end of 2021. Some of this is now ongoing, so, James, tell us what's been happening.
8: Look, training is a new element um, for derogation. It was introduced under the most recent um, National act- Nitrous Action Plan. Training that's required has uh, has three elements to it, namely uh, grassland management, um, nutrient-use efficiency, and farming sustainably under derogation. The three elements must be completed, and there are two exemptions to that, all right. The farmers who have already completed the P-Build, of course, are exempt from the new use efficiency and farmers who measure grass growth in 2021 are exempt from the grass and, grass and So that's a bit of good news to some small uh, cohort of the farmers. Each of the three elements is five hours of training. So look, that's obviously going to require for most us in Chagas to commit uh, quite a lot of time and resources, getting all our clients trained wouldn't be physically possible for us to undertake all of that in 2021. So uh, we're now committed to providing the, the farmers... A farm sustainability element um, through a series of Zoom online classes that will be throughout November and December of 2020.
2: And how do farmers that apply to take part in this training, James?
8: Uh, Look, at the moment, um, all the offices are writing out. uh, The Chagos officers are writing out to offer uh, these courses to each individual farmer client, and that will be coming out over the next number of weeks in different stages. It will have details of how to book in and how the zoom calls will work okay i suppose in the area we're in at the moment delivering and attending these courses in this manner it's new for both the farmers and for advisors we'll be making every effort to make the process as easy for farmers and as interesting as possible for the participants it's unfortunately unavoidable as i said already in the current circumstances, run these courses through Zoom. Fingers crossed, I would say, that we'll be able to complete the other elements of derogation training in person in 2021.
2: James Fleming of Tagusk. And in next Wednesday night's programme, look at on-farm issues with James, including good management practice for the remainder of this grazing season, lime application at this time of the year, and cows being dried off now. Bia is looking to Cork for future food and drink industry leaders. Up to 80 fully funded master's programmes are on offer in 2020-2021, with applications currently being accepted for two programmes. Tom Tully is Board BIA Industry Talent Manager and has been telling me about these graduate opportunities.
9: Yeah, so I guess uh, probably the starting point is is what is the, the Talent Academy in Board BIA as well, and, uh, and essentially uh, it is a, a programme that we run that encompasses a suite of programs um, around areas such as sustainability, sales and marketing, um, and uh, insights and, and innovation, and about building those skills within individuals. So it's um, it's essentially a, a suite of programs that hothouses uh, talent for the for the dru- food and drink industry into the future. Um, and currently, we're um, we're recruiting for two of the five programs that we have. So. The two that we're recruiting for um, are, one is called the Marketing Fellowship, uh, which is aimed at uh, food and drink companies who are looking to export abroad uh, whereby they can have a representative from one of our companies uh, work for them abroad um, as, uh, as as the, the program progresses. And then we've got a graduate program which is aimed at uh, individuals who are a little younger uh, in their career stage who have just left college uh, and they would work with us uh, in Bia and any of our offices overseas as well
2: what type of candidate are you looking for then for these individual roles Tom
9: the the candidates that we're looking for for the marketing fellowship in particular would be uh, people who have a couple of years work experience uh, under their belt uh, really from any discipline but are willing to uh, engage in business development work abroad on behalf of of the food and drink industry and our clients as well Um, and for the graduate program as I said it's, it's early in career uh, individuals, and again from any any discipline. The one thing I should also men- mention that I suppose is quite attractive about our programs in particular is that um, it's a it's a commercial and academic partnership uh, on these programs. So we work with uh, some of the best business schools in Ireland, and in this case with UCD Smurfit Business School. So people who come on our programs actually get a fully funded master's qualification, and they also receive a tax-free bursary on a monthly basis while they're on the program. So it's a win-win, really, uh, Barry, in terms of there's there's an academic qualification that's that's funded um, and there's invaluable work experience that they get throughout the programme.
2: And tell me a little bit more about the Board Via Talent Academy. How long it's been running and, uh, you know, how it's evolved, I suppose, over the years, Tom?
9: Yeah, so it's been running for around 11 years at this stage. And it started out uh, with just one uh, programme, which was the Marketing Fellowship. Um, and that was one program where we took on individuals and then they worked on, on client pr- export projects abroad. Um, and it's it's kind of, uh, it's expanded since then, taken on legs uh, over that 11-year period to now be five programs. Um, and as I said, we we have uh, a program that focuses on sustainability, which is the Origin Green Ambassador Program. Um, and the the purpose of that program really is to um, you know, build people with the skill sets around sustainability that can then form um, leadership roles within our industry uh, here in Ireland. So as part of that program, we we place individuals in some of the biggest food and drink uh, companies abroad, like your Nestle, and Unilever and McDonald's of this world. And they, they work on projects while they're, while they're there. And then they come back to Ireland 23 months later. And, and I'm, I'm glad to report that they often take up uh, sustainability roles um at executive level within food and drink companies
2: i'm just going to say that i'm sure your graduates are working in all the top companies now all over the world
9: well they are yeah i mean that's the I suppose that's the upside of it as well in terms of we we're building a network for the industry as well um you know it's it's great to have these individuals not only working in irish companies here domestically but they're also in some of the largest companies abroad um and that's as you can imagine, brings its benefits as well in terms of having that network uh, to be to be able to draw on. And
2: anybody listening to us who might have somebody in mind, who might have uh, an interest in in learning more about this, where can they find out about it?
10: Yeah, so
9: it's pretty simple. Um, it's if you just go to uh, boardvia.ie forward slash talent academy. Um, all the details are there. We're we're currently uh, open for um, applications, um, and I'm glad to report we've had a good bit of interest so far, and we've. We've always had uh, a strong contingent of uh, people on our programs from from Cork as well. I'm glad to report. So I hope that tradition continues. Um, and uh, and and as I said, it's it's a it could be a career changing opportunity for people, to be honest with you, Barry, because Because um, you know, especially in these times, often it, you know you might be reticent about taking a risk. But this would very much, if somebody was thinking of doing something different, is quite a calculated risk, really, because you are. You're getting a fully funded qualification, and you're getting um, essentially a bursary every month as well that you you can you can live on, um, and you're getting all that experience that you wouldn't have exposure to uh, previously. So I think it it really is a great opportunity, and I know I'm biased, but I, I still I still would would see it as so, and especially in the current environment.
2: And just to add to what Tom said there, Fanula Dorr joined the Board Bia Marketing Fellowship in 2015 with several years' of business experience and was based in New York supporting Irish companies in the bakery, meat, and seafood industries. She's currently Sales Operations Manager for Dairy Gold Food Ingredients based in Mitchellstown. Tom Tully, the Board Bia Industry Talent Manager. From
6: January 2022, new EU legislation is scheduled to be brought in to combat the rise of AMR antimicrobial and or antibiotic resistance to treatments which in the past had been able to kill pathogens or microbes causing mastitis or other diseases in farm animals and resistance to medicines in humans.' One of the ways in which the 2022 EU legislation will affect the Irish dairy industry will be the operation of the so-called SDCT, Selective Dry Cow Therapy. With SDCT, only cows that have known infections will receive antibiotic tubes. Cows that do not have an infection will not receive antibiotic tubes at drying off. Only a teat sealer will be applied. Use of antibiotics to treat known infections will still be permitted with stipulations. Continued use of antibiotics after January 2022 would require individual cow evidence, backed up by milk recording data, plus culture and uh, sensitivity analysis for the farm in question. Like almost every aspect of farming, milk recording has been affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. Chagas' research has shown that farmers who milk record their herds gain an extra 42 euro per cow gross margin over those who don't. Only about 35% of Irish dairy herds are milk recorded according to latest figures available. The comparable figure for Denmark is 91%, the Netherlands 86% and New Zealand 71%. COVID-19 is likely to be one of the main reasons why milk recording is reported to be down by about 20% this year so far. Farmers who want to be fully up to speed when selective dry cow therapy, SDCT, becomes mandatory under EU regulations in January 2022. Apart from some limited qualified exceptions, and who are not milk recording themselves at the moment, but who would be interested in doing so in the future, should in the first instance contact their local cooperative and/or Munster Bovine. The Munster Bovine phone number is 022 43 228. That's Munster Bovine 022 43 228. In the November 2020 issue of the Dairy Gold Milk Matters magazine, supporting sustainable farming, Stuart Child's Dairy Gold Chagask Joint Programme writes extensively on selective dry cow therapy. John O'Connor for Farm
3: Talk. Farm Talk on C103.
2: We continue this week's Farm Talk with Health Matters and the On Farm Ground Programme, which has been launched to support farmer health and well-being. The programme of research has now resulted in a training programme That will see agricultural advisors engage with farmers on their health and well-being over the farm gate. The programme will be led by the Men's Development Network as part of ENGAGE, the National Men's Training Programme, and will train 800 agricultural advisors. Research and resource development for on-farm ground has been going on for the past 12 months, with the first training set to be delivered this month. Chief Executive of Men's Development Network, Sean Cook, has been telling me a bit more about the programme.
11: We are involved uh, with Engage, which is the National Men's Health uh, Training Initiative, and one of its work has been involved in uh, uh, with the uh, carl IT and Child in relation to a Fit for Farming programme. And what came out of that particular initiative was that there was a definite deficit there and concern for agricultural advisors who are working on a daily basis with farmers, um, they were concerned about uh, what was the best way for them to uh, deal with and address some of the issues that were emerging over the farm gate with farmers on themselves. Um, so it was on the basis of that particular deficit that we kind of said, okay, it makes sense then to, de- to, to design a program to work with the advisors on ensuring that they gave the most appropriate signposting uh, to those farmers rather than it becoming we weren't trying to encourage advisors to become uh, psychologists or mini-psychiatrists or or anything like it it was more around saying listen, there are services out there there's good signposting that needs to be there and you need to direct the men uh, and the farmers to this particular area uh, and uh, to this particular kind of service and as well as that it was also about Uh, Introducing them to some of the issues that would be emerging for farmers around the health and well being, and also to maybe help them identify the various red flags that could be that would kind of signpost to them as they arrived on into the farm that there may be issues at hand there that could be with a a pointed question or direction of a conversation could uh, lead them to be able to signpost a farmer to a service
2: horse that they would need and how did you decide that you know well this is the way we're going to roll it out well as
11: I said it, it, it's, a, it's a very interesting program and in that and um, it, it's the first time we finally got together with a, a dual uh, two departments are involved both the Department of, of Agriculture Food and Marine and the Department of Health and the HSE are the core funders of it, and then Chagas and Carlow IT are the research funders of it but along with that though we've had that we've set up an advisory committee an oversight committee that includes like Mental Health Ireland, uh, the Irish Heart Foundation, uh, the Agricultural Advisors Association, you know, so there's been lots of people feel involved in it. And um, uh, uh, But, but key, the key thing was about the uh, the uh, experience of Engage in terms of delivering, designing, delivering, and rolling out train-to-trainer programs. Uh, that our experience in that, was where we kind of said this is the most appropriate model to move forward because it, we really need to kind of have it sustain itself as we go on and that the likes of Chagas and the Agricultural Advisors Association will be able to kind of keep it going as we, as we move, get beyond the trainer-trainer program. So the, the intention is, is that we will tr- we're going to train uh, 24 initial tra- uh, advisors who will then deliver the program to, the, to over 800 advisors across the country. So, it's quite a serious undertaking to happen within uh, a, a one year to 18 month uh, period, COVID depending, as you can imagine.
2: Sean, you're involved yourself with the Men's Development Network. Tell us a little yeah. bit about this.
11: Well, the Men's Development Network is, is, is a key partner in the, the Engage uh, program that I talked about there. Uh, and also, we are the project managers of, well, we're rolling out the development of this particular initiative on Firm Ground on behalf of Engage. And our organisation, we've been established twenty-one, twenty odd years now, and our main work is very much in relation to addressing the issues of uh, of men's development in a development setting, working with men uh, around health and well-being, uh, working with them on a developmental process, trying to address the issues of, of masculinity, uh, looking at more positive masculinities and transforming masculinities, uh, and, and advancing the way, advancing ways in which to uh, improve. Um, Uh, services engaging with men around their health, their well-being and all other aspects of their lives as well.
2: And for people that might want to hear and find out a little bit more about what this project on Firm Ground is all about, where will they get that?
11: Well they can get that through our own existing, uh, through the website here uh, the Men's Development Network website which is www.mensnetwork.ie and also we're about to launch the engage training.ie website as well which will have information in relation to the training uh, that will happen. So, like, we're working with the trainers at the moment now. So, uh, and then, then we'll be, be rolling it out with the rest of the advisors as we go on over the next uh, into the next year.
2: Chief Executive of Men's Development Network, Sean Cook, speaking there about on firm ground the program which has been launched to support farmer health and well-being. Mokrin Afarima's annual national conference takes place online this year on Friday next, November 13th. Thomas Duffy is national president and can briefly remind us again about the event.
10: Normally we have our annual conference and, and rally weekend. It'd normally be on the October bank holiday weekend. And we would normally always have that in a physical event. And it was due to be hosted this year in Kerry. So instead, in cooperation with um, BJA, the European Federation of Young Farmers, and uh, Devonish nutrition um, and and also bangeningen uh, university and at their lighthouse farms we've come together to do a, a an online form of conference um, based all around you know uh, the value of of the soil and the potential future for livestock production is probably to, to visit the macron Firma facebook page or, or the macron Firma website and you'll find the registration link for the the zoom so with the the webinar um, uh, platform um, where you can register, you can put in your details, you'll get a, 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 an email which will give you a link. Just to click on that link and you'll be straight into it um, on the on the 13th.
2: Thomas Duffy, National President of Mokra and the Ferema. The National Council of the IFA's voted to allow postal ballots for the election of officers at national and county level. The deadline for branch AGMs has been extended by four months to July 2021 to allow branches maximum flexibility to hold their meetings into the spring and summer months. The aim is to hold all elections for county representatives and national committees that fall due between now and Christmas. On a number of occasions on Farm Talk in recent months, we've caught up with Brian McCarthy, a rooftop gardener in Cork City. He and his partner, Thigh, are about to turn their hands to another venture. The No Dig Market Garden, which we'll be hearing more about in the coming weeks, but they've been giving us a virtual short tour of the plot where their next big venture is about to unfold.
12: What have we been doing for the last few days? We cleared out all the grass, so it was roughly like up to my hip all over the place. So myself and Ty cut all that down to get a good lay of the land, and then we went about marking out where our permanent beds would be. We've been marking out sections we're going to put uh, blocks of 10 beds or our our, uh, permanent beds are going to be 10 meters long by 30 inches wide so 75 centimeters wide and then we'll have 1.5 meter walkways uh, going outside the blocks and then 30 centimeter walkways in between the permanent raised beds so we've kind of kept the line of the beds going down with the line of the tree line here uh same with here we've got this old shed here that we're going to convert into a potting greenhouse and next to it uh, Jer has a greenhouse which he's bought which we're going to use um, and that's about seven meters seven meters wide by 50 50 feet long so we'll attach that onto the potting shed so all the transplants will come straight out in here or straight out onto the uh, onto the beds and we'll have to so you see all these trees here, they're all overhanging. So they'll all have to come down. They're kind of leaning this way anyway. So needs to uh, need to come down and we'll use them then for wood chip to do our pathways. We'll hopefully take the top 10, 10 or 15 feet off here because this is due south. Um, so we want to get a bit more light in across and we'll probably take the tops off here as well. just. We'll have a nice wind barrier and then we'll have enough sun as well coming in.
2: Brian McCarthy, and we'll be hearing more in the coming weeks about the no-dig market garden.
6: The renewal of agricultural stamp duty reliefs in the Finance Bill 2020 has been welcomed by the IFA. IFA Farm Business Chairperson Ms Rosemary McDonough has welcomed the renewal of the consanguinity Related Persons Relief and Consolidation Relief under the Stamp Duty Code in the Finance Bill 2020. Ms McDonald said these reliefs are vital to the sustainability and viability of the agricultural sector by reducing the effective rate of stamp duty on transfers of agricultural land from 7.5% to just 1% in certain circumstances. Ms McDonald said they are crucial for greater land mobility, which would encourage land transfer and succession. As per the Finance Bill 2020, recently published, Consanguinity Relief is extended until 31st of December 2023. This relief applies to transfers of agricultural land between certain close relations, such as parents to child or uncle to niece. In 2019, Consanguinity Relief provided a relief from stamp duty collectively worth €28.76 million to 1,777 successful applicants. The relief is due to continue to operate in 2021 under the same conditions as heretofore. The draft finance bill does not impose any age limit on transferers, Ms McDonough pointed out. John O'Connor for Farm Talk.
2: Thanks to John for co-producing and contributing to the Farm Talk programme again this week. I'm Barry O'Mahony. Thank you for listening. Farm Talk
11: with Dairy Gold Heifer Rearer Cube, a trusted partner to help your replacement heifers reach
2: their target weights and meet their full potential.
4: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter.